You're listening to the Miscarriage Doula Podcast. I'm your host, Arden Cartret. This space is meant to be a tool for you to feel less alone and to learn more about how to get through what you've been through and what you're probably going through. We'll hear diverse stories from women and men in the online space, experts, and people just like you and me who are feeling the effects of miscarriage and loss in real time. This is the Miscarriage Doula Podcast. Today's show is brought to you by our affiliate partnership with Mira. Mira is the first and only comprehensive at-home testing device that allows women to quantitatively track major hormones needed to predict ovulation. Unlike other fertility trackers on the market, Mira Fertility Tracker is the only one that gives you the actual hormone concentration levels as well as easy-to-understand fertility scores based on those readings. I've been using Mira since my period returned after having Cameron, who is my double rainbow, And it's actually given me the confidence to advocate for myself in terms of some concerns that I have with my ovulation cycles. Please consider using our affiliate link and code if you're interested in purchasing Mira. Visit themiscarriagedoula.co slash Mira to learn more. And I got up and was just journaling and someone sent me a message with your um, blog and was like, oh, this girl's asking for people to write for her blog. So then I was looking at your blog and saw, was like looking at older um, things about infertility and then saw that you were pregnant. And it was like days, I think, after your first loss. It, it was. So I remember I whenever I asked Messaging for, you. Yeah. That's yeah. Like, like, I think you had kind of put the call out maybe even before your loss or I'm, I'm not sure, but it was like I was up and couldn't sleep and couldn't figure out why I couldn't sleep. And then it was like a divine moment or something. <laughs> that like, is oh, so this is someone cool. to, have, to have in your life. Yeah. Well, and I so. remember whenever you shared, um, and then I think it, I don't know if it was family members or friends or people in your church, then they shared the post on Facebook, which then got like some people were interacting with it. So that was really nice mm-hmm. to see like people interacting with something <laughs> that I shared on my website. But I remember yeah. I did like an all call for stories. We had a hurricane here in North Carolina mm-hmm. and it was in between my pregnancy limbo. And so I didn't know if my baby yeah. was alive or not. And so I was like, I need other people yeah. to tell their stories because I don't want to tell mine right now. And yeah, yeah, I, I got so many stories from that, which was really, and so that's how we connected. Yeah. That's a, that was yeah. almost three years ago, which, you know, brings know. me into, you know, how you are so supportive of others because that was right after my first loss. And then I was pregnant again and then I had my rainbow and it's like, mm-hmm. you just, you see so much loss that I don't know how you can be so supportive mm-hmm. to me whenever I'm talking about, mm-hmm. you know, a struggle with my grief during motherhood, because that's nothing on grief without Mm. having Cameron. And so it's just, that's why it's so fascinating Mm. to me that you are who you are because that's gotta be Mm. so hard. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, sorry, have you started recording? I recorded earlier. So if I would just, okay. Yeah. I recorded. So it, I figured however you need to edit. (laughs) Yeah. So that's kind of what I've been doing because I don't really like the whole like, um, talk and then, 
like, okay, thanks for coming back to the show. I have Becca here. So it's yeah. just really just going into the conversation. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Um, yeah. Like, okay. So I can kind of share my story, I guess. It's a yeah. long one because it's been so many years. Um, so I got married in 2012 and we started trying pretty quick like um like I got married in July and I think we started sort of sort of try like just stopped using protection I guess <laughs> in like October so it was pretty quick after we got married and we were pretty young I was um I was 22 when we got married and my no I was 23 and my husband was 21 so we were pretty young um and it was July, it was right after our one year anniversary. And I, um, so we'd been tr kind of trying since October and not pregnant yet. And then my period was late, but I had negative pregnancy tests. And so I had booked an appointment with my doctor because I was like, something's up, I'm not getting my period, but I'm not pregnant. And then I found out I was pregnant four days after our one year anniversary. And like, we were so excited and, you know, told our families, but had the whole like, oh, don't tell people until 12 weeks. Um, so we told our parents and our siblings and maybe a couple friends. Um, but we, we really were like, okay, we can't tell anyone because that's like the rule. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, like we were just so excited and we were planning and like I was started researching cribs and strollers and car seats and everything right away. And um, kind of up until I started dating my husband, I always felt like when people asked me what I wanted to be, I always had to have a career plan. And so I'd say, you know, whatever was the career plan at the time. And then just before I met Austin, I really came to terms, I guess, with the fact that I just wanted to be a mom. And um, so he was the first guy that I dated that I was like, just to let you know, like, I just want to be a mom and I want to have kids and want to stay home. And, you know, I don't have big career ambitions. Um, so when I found out I was pregnant, it was a big deal. And it was like, hey, this is like my destiny, I guess, or what I really felt a calling to was was motherhood. Um, and so I went in, there were some questions about dates cause my period had been weird the month leading up. Like I kind of got it twice. I'm thinking now it was probably implantation bleeding the second time I got my period, um, the month before. Um, so they sent me for an early ultrasound for dating and, um, they said that I was like measuring at five weeks and I should have been seven weeks or something like that. Um, and they said, it might be fine. Book another ultrasound, come back in two weeks and we'll, we'll see. And um, I, for, so for like two weeks, I was just trying to, think everything was fine um but knowing that if I was really only five weeks along that would have meant I got pregnant after a positive pregnancy test 
because of how like dating works, right? Because there's like the two week, right? Like when you get when you conceive, you're already two weeks pregnant. That right. whole thing. So I was trying to just have a good attitude and like just believe everything was fine, but there was that little thought in the back of my head of this is impossible. There's no way I'm only five weeks. Um, and then I started spotting and I went to the walk-in clinic, um, which I don't know if that's different in the U S <laughs> like, so in Canada, we have like clinics that you can just walk into and you don't have to make an appointment. And so rather than going to your family doctor and having to wait to get in for an appointment, you could just go in. So if you like think you have strep throat or something or a rash yeah, that you don't know what it's about that. or if you don't so, have a family doctor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, we definitely have that. Sometimes the wait is like yeah. super long, um, probably depending yeah. on where you live, but we definitely have that. Yeah. So if you just have, yeah, anyways. Yeah. And so they said it could be nothing kind of, kind of brush it off, like relax, whatever. So I didn't go into work the next day. And then the next day I like passed something. I don't really know what it was. It wasn't like, bleep. this is so graphic. I'm really sorry. No, um, I, every call I've had is like in some way, you know, miscarriage is graphic. So it's as much yeah, as you want to share, yeah. feel free. Okay. Um, and I won't go into this much detail in for all of them just because it's the first one. It's so yeah, um, big, I guess. So I got in at my family doctor. Then I was like, I'm pregnant. I, um, something's wrong. Like something isn't right. I need to see. And I couldn't see my family doctor, but I saw another doctor at my family doctor's clinic and I brought like the thing that had passed and she looked at it and it was too dried out to do any testing on it like I hadn't I just put it in toilet paper I guess and she was like yeah you could be miscarrying or maybe maybe you're pregnant with twins and you're just losing one like it was like anytime I went to a doctor they didn't want to say it <laughs> kind of thing um and she said just you know take time off work and rest and um, if you start like bleeding heavily and passing clots, go to the emergency room. So we went home and then I don't know if we stopped at the grocery store on the way home or I don't know what happened, but we ended up in the grocery store and I went to the bathroom at the grocery store and it, I was passing clots. So we went to the emergency room. Um, and so then I like told the intake nurse what was going on and then waited and then they brought me to an exam room and I told like a intern doctor or like a resident um, what was going on and um, waited and then the main doctor I guess came in and he said hi like is this your first pregnancy and I said yes and he goes that's exciting and I was like, I know you've seen my chart. I've already told two people what's going on. Like, I know there's too much blood for this to be okay. There's no way that this is fine. And he, he was like, that's okay. And he had really bad breath. It was like he had just come off from like a dinner break or something. And he had been eating onions. It was so gross. <laughs> um, 
it was really bad and then he like did an internal exam and he had to like adjust the speculum and it, it was awful it was so painful and he offered me morphine he's like you must be in a lot of pain and I said like it just kind of felt like period cramps at that point and so I was like no I don't need morphine and then he just kind of said it in passing as he was leaving the room like yeah you've miscarried or you are miscarrying kind of I don't even know if he said sorry for your loss or anything like that but he just kind of said it in passing as he left that I was losing the baby um and my mom was in Saskatchewan or something she was away and my dad didn't know what to do um and they had lost a baby before I was born and so I remember I don't think I've ever heard my dad talk about it but he I talked to him on the phone that night and he was like when we lost the baby before you I was devastated and I'd never heard him like I knew about it because my mom had talked about it but I had never heard him talk about it and it was just life-changing like it was it was so hard um and and like shook me you know even though I had grown up knowing my mom had had a miscarriage I never expected it to happen to me um and so my husband Austin and I we were working at the same church at the time I was on staff and he was an intern because he was still in school um and I was the receptionist and so because he was an intern he spent the next week covering for me at the front desk and so anytime someone would come in they'd be like oh where's Becca and he'd have to because no one knew that we were pregnant because you don't tell anyone until 12 weeks and this was like eight and a half nine weeks he was he would lie and just be like oh she's sick and um you know, we went through that for a few weeks, maybe a couple months even of, okay, we can't tell anyone what's happened to us because, um, you know, you don't tell anyone. And then there just came a point where I was kind of like, screw this. <laughs> like, this was my child that I lost and I'm going to talk about it. Um, and we had a blog at the time. And so I wrote about it. And I had never seen anything posted online. I mean, this was 2013, so it was quite a while ago, but I had never seen anything posted about it. And um, I just shared that it had happened. And I, I talked about um, Robert Munch. Do you know Robert Munch? I think he's a Canadian author, so maybe it's not. But he has a book called I Love You Forever. Thing. Oh, yeah. You've probably heard of the book. I love yeah, it forever. I've heard the book. Um, and he had written it after his wife had had a miscarriage or more than one miscarriage. I'm not sure. Um, after they lost a child. And so I wrote about that. And, um, and that was kind of our introduction into pregnancy loss and, um, I went to that um, ultrasound that I had booked after my first ultrasound, the kind of the follow-up one, just to make sure that there was no tissue or anything. 
left and they couldn't see anything with an external ultrasound. So I had the pleasure of um, meeting Wanda that day and <laughs> having an internal ultrasound. And um, it was like, she was looking for whatever, anything. And the ultrasound tech said, um, it's usually a blessing when it happens this early because it probably means there was something wrong with the baby. And I'm not a very violent, like I'm not a very violent person. <laughs> I'm usually very calm. It, it takes a lot to make me mad. Um, and it's, yeah. And, but if there had not been a medical instrument inside of my body <laughs> at that moment, I would have punched someone. Like, I was so hurt and mad and um, now, you know, eight years later, I would say something <laughs> to someone who said that to me or to someone I love. Um, but at that time, I did not say anything, but I was kind of thrown in to the deep end with um, medical people not saying the right thing or saying the wrong thing to me in terms of that kind of stuff. Um, and then it took us another year to get pregnant again. I got pregnant the next summer, almost, I think it was thir 13 months after my first miscarriage. I got pregnant and lost the baby really quickly. Um, like I, I started bleeding like a week after, a week to the day after I found out I was pregnant the second time. And then I got pregnant again a year later um, and started miscarrying like, days after I found out I was pregnant that time. And then um, we moved to Edmonton. We, my husband and I both grew up in British Columbia, but we moved to Edmonton, Alberta um, for a job for my husband. And, and at that point, point oh it had been like six months when we first moved since my last miscarriage and then after we'd been there for a while it had been a year since my third miscarriage and we still weren't pregnant and I so I started talking to my doctor in, in Edmonton about fertility testing um and so we started that process and had to wait to get into the doctor. Um, she said, and I really loved this doctor. She was usually really, really great. But what she said to me when we were talking about the referral was, because you've only had three miscarriages and you're under 30, because I was 29 maybe at that point or 28. I was pretty close to 30, but I was still under 30. Um, she was like, because you're so young and you've only had three miscarriages, um, you aren't at the top of the priority list. Like if you were older, or you had had way more, you would get in sooner. So I think we waited eight months before my first visit to get the fertility testing. And then we got all the tests done. And then January of 2018 found out that nothing had come back like there was no reason for um that they could see for why we would be miscarrying or why we were struggling to get pregnant 
Um, and so I, they put me on um, progesterone and letrozole, um, even though there was nothing to like medically to say that I needed it. They were just like, we'll just try this. Um, and I did one cycle of that and didn't get pregnant. And it just felt like too much. And so around that point, we started talking about adoption and really felt like that was the next step and um, really felt like it was, we were so excited about it. Like we were like, okay, you know what? This is what feels right. And this is our next step. And we are gonna adopt. We had made plans um, to adopt internationally. We were gonna adopt um, overseas. And, you know, we had looked at all our options if we wanted to adopt from Canada or um, the U.S. or overseas. And we decided overseas, um, there was a family who had kind of adopted us in Edmonton because we were both away from all our families. And they were from South Africa. And that was, we were told, one of the um, easier, I guess that sounds like such a bad way to talk about it, but easier countries to adopt from when you're in Canada. Um, and we were like, that's perfect because, you know, we have this family who um, loves us and we love them and they can, you know, help us with South African culture and um, that kind of thing. And that was our plan. And we were so excited. And I was honestly, for the first time in my life, completely 100% fine with never getting pregnant again. Um, you know, it, it's not important to us if our child is ours biologically um and so we like got all the paperwork together and we were like going to make an appointment with the adoption agency and then I found out I was pregnant again and it was one of those things because we were like we were so excited but then we were like oh great like we've told people that we're gonna adopt and everyone not everyone but you know when people decide that they're going to adopt people will say um oh watch now you're going to get pregnant or or people will say just adopt like just to stop trying and that's when you'll get pregnant and we were like okay this is so funny haha ha, we're one of those people um and we still wanted to adopt and we were like all right i guess that just puts adoption on the back burner and we will have this baby and i think because we because it was so out of the blue and we weren't trying, we were convinced that it was different. Um, we thought, okay, this is one of those stories that you hear about and it's so funny and like, of course, this is how it would work out. And, um, and then I started bleeding again and lost the baby and it was just, devastating um and I mean I think my faith has played a big part in in all of this and that one felt the hardest to to handle in terms of faith um you know my husband's a pastor and I was working at the church that he was working at um and that one really shook me like I just I just didn't understand 
um, because I, you know, believe in God and believe that he loves me. And I was just like, like, I didn't ask for this. I felt like he had given me this baby. I hadn't asked for it. And then he, I guess, had taken it away. And that was a big thing to to work through. Um, And I don't want to necessarily go into all the faith stuff because I know that there's people of so many backgrounds listening and um, if anybody has bigger questions about that I'm happy to talk about it but um, it was something I really really had to work through and so then what happened oh we decided we were gonna adopt domestically after that because I think being pregnant really reminded me how much I wanted to see every stage. Um, And if you adopt internationally, chances are you're going to get an older child. Like we were thinking, um, we were told that we would probably be adopting someone who was like 15 to 36 months if we adopted overseas. So I said, okay, well, I think I really want to have a newborn and see like every single stage and every single moment of you know, smiles, being real smiles and, um, you know, just being with them their whole life. So we started that paperwork and we were on a waiting list and then um, felt like a a new job opportunity came up back in BC and felt like it was the right move. And in Canada, domestic adoptions um, are just within provinces. So you can't if we're in BC, we can't adopt a child from Alberta, um, is what we were told. I don't know every single detail of how everything works. I don't want people to take my word as how everything works necessarily, but that's what we were told. Um, and so I had to call the adoption agency and say, take us off the list. And we were had been expecting to kind of move on to the next stage that month. That we and then we ended up moving and then COVID happened and <laughs> our plan was to try fertility treatments again um, and then everything shut down and then I got pregnant and well and then because the whole thing because then people were talking about COVID babies and like oh watch in nine months so many people are going to have babies because we're all just locked up with our spouses and can't do anything and I was so annoyed by that and then it was kind of again one of those like oh great now we're one of those people where I was pregnant but the nice thing about being on COVID was I could just put myself on bed rest Um, yeah so I did that hoping it would make a difference and it didn't. And so I had my fifth miscarriage in June. Um, and now we're here and don't really know what our next steps are, but it's been, you know, eight years almost since my first miscarriage. Um, and it's been lots of ups and downs in those, <laughs> in those eight years. I think whenever I talk to people, they ask like how long it will take until 
miscarriage doesn't hurt as bad. And and I know in my experience, it being three years since my first miscarriage, mm-hmm. like it lessens, but it never really goes away. Do you feel the same mm-hmm. with it being eight years where it's just kind of like a steady, a steady sadness, not really a, like a heavy one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so when I was in college, I studied counseling was my major. Um, and I remember learning about grief and there's the five stages of grief. And I think when I was studying it, I always thought that once you reach the last stage, which is acceptance, then it's like, okay, that's it. Now, now you're fine. <laughs> um, right. And uh, I have found that to be not the case. <laughs> and it's, I think you do maybe go through those stages. Maybe you do go through those stages kind of linearly but once you reach acceptance, it's almost like all bets are off because you never know what's going to trigger denial or anger or bargaining or depression. The other, you know, the other four stages. Right. Um, most days I have found a new normal, but with every miscarriage, it's taken time to figure out what that new normal is because every trauma changes me has changed me um so I think I mean I think I've just learned to live with grief and learned um you know learned what that is and I think I've been better equipped to live with grief um since the last two especially I think because there was such a long stretch between the third and the fourth like I think it was three years between the third and the fourth and then it was two years between the fourth and the fifth um it I felt better equipped with those two to a certain extent even though they really shook me um especially in my faith um but grief wise it was like okay here we go again and I knew the work that needed to be put into it. And I knew the grace I had to give myself. Um, and now I'm just so knowledgeable about myself. I, and I know, I know the things that trigger me. Um, and I know what I need to, to do usually to avoid those triggers. Yeah. I, um, in one of the grief courses that I took, it talked about the five stages of grief and how it was written with, um, like losing a parent at the end of their life in mind. So it didn't really have any, Mm. like it didn't really apply to losing children and, Mm. um, having miscarriages because you never actually get to have memories with those babies. And so you miss out on a lot of the yeah. things you need to go through the stages of grief, which creates holes in your grief. And I always, I thought that was so interesting because yeah. I thought the same thing to where I thought, okay, I'll go through the five stages and I'll be fine. <laughs> and then it's like, you go yeah. through stage one, stage four, stage three, stage one again, and it's just all over the yeah. place. Yeah. Well, and I think you, you know, grief is not what you expect expect it to be I don't think either Austin or I would have known what to expect from ourselves um, before that first loss like I think we were 
blissfully naive about how happy we were together. Like, you know, people say the first year of marriage is the hardest, but ours was awesome. (laughs) And we were just happy and content to be with each other. And then we lost our first baby and it was super hard to figure out how to communicate with each other because um, I think I assumed that if anything like that were to ever happen to us, he would grieve the same way I would. And he didn't. Um, And, and so that took some work to figure out how we needed to communicate with each other through our grief. Um, And, and what, yeah, what that looks like to, to do that together. Um, And yeah, like it's just taken me time to figure things out. Like I've found that if I prepare myself for a difficult day, like Mother's Day or a baby's due date, I'm usually okay. Um, Because I've worked in churches and my husband's a pastor, every single Mother's Day until COVID, I had to be at church on Mother's Day. And one year, one of my baby's due dates fell on Mother's Day. Um, And so the years that I would take time to like intentionally prepare myself for that day to be difficult, those days were generally less difficult. Um, And even my first Mother's Day wasn't as hard as Father's Day because I didn't realize how hard Father's Day would be Mm -hmm. for me. And so I went through Mother's Day and I was like, okay, that wasn't that bad. And then we went to church on Father's Day and it was just like, awful like I wept and didn't realize how hard it was for me that Austin didn't get to be with his child on on that day like what would have been his first father's day so yeah yeah I think preparing ourselves has kind of been the best thing on those harder days um but then you can't always prepare yourself for when a day is going to be hard because sometimes triggers happen um, when you least expect them. (laughs) Yeah. And those are always really hard to navigate. And I always tell people whenever I talk about the unexpected triggers, I mostly just say that we know whenever they come up, that's in the moment you have to give yourself time to feel whatever it is that comes up and you have to give yourself just a second to catch your breath and to keep going. Or that's mm-hmm. whenever grief really consumes you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's kind of all you can do. Um, and I think some of those hardest times have been um, finding out someone else is pregnant. Um, and I hate that I've ever felt anything besides pure joy when someone has announced a pregnancy, um, I hate it. And I think, I think that when you haven't lost a child or haven't lost a pregnancy, you don't realize how much is taken from those people. Um, like it's not, it's not just that baby that someone has lost you know, it's, um, 
yeah, and it's it's the plans and the dreams that you have for that child that you don't get to have now. But it's also, um, you know, you've lost ever having a pregnancy again that's untouched by fear. And right. you've lost the ability to, you know, be pregnant and feel a twinge of pain and not freak out that you're having a miscarriage. Um, and so I think as hard as it is for me sometimes to hear that someone's pregnant, it's, I mean, it's natural, I guess, that I would feel that way. And it's something that I have learned to just cope with. And um, because really, I'm, I am so joyful that there's new life in the world, <laughs> you know, and I do, I do so much better with babies than I do um, pregnancy. <laughs> Like once the baby's here, I'm usually fine. And even once the initial like, okay, I wish it was me that was pregnant. Once that initial pain is over, I'm usually fine. Like um, I'll have a good, a good cry. And then the next time I see them, I'm like, oh my goodness, there's a baby and you're growing a human. And, and, and it's genuine. I'm not faking it. I am excited for that person. Um it's just the nature of grief, you know, like it's just complicated and icky and hard. Yeah. I like to say that, um, it's okay to be jealous, happy, sad, angry. Like all of those emotions can be felt at one time. Like you don't have to be really happy for somebody and not feel jealous. Like it can be both. Yeah. Yeah. And Yeah, I mean, I've been thinking a lot lately about the gift of grief, which sounds weird. (laughs) Um, And it's, uh, grief is a weird thing to be passionate about. But um, I think especially with my first miscarriage, I was really looking for the goodness. How, like, how could any good come from this? And I feel like um, sometimes the only goodness that has come is um, is the fact that I can help other people. And it's hard to do that. Um, but it's like, like there has to be some good <laughs> in in the things that I go through. And... Um, and that was part of why I started writing about my losses and writing about them in such a way that is just honoring my children. Like I'll write letters to them or I'll write letters to miscarriage moms or, um, you know, I usually write a post every year on what would be their birthday. Um, and, and I think because of that, there's been people who have been able to reach out to me and say, oh, my sister-in-law just had a miscarriage. Like, what should I do? Or, um, you know, those kinds of things. And, and really in the last eight years, those have been the biggest blessings and like sometimes the only good. Yeah. Right. Cause, um, I can't just, be in the depths of despair as Anne of Green Gables would say um but yeah like have you seen Frozen 2 
I haven't seen either Frozen movie. I know that's so terrible. (laughs) No, that's okay. So there's, in the second one, there's a song that Anna Anna sings. Um, Sorry, my headphones are going to die. Just a sec. I'm just going to pull my headphones out. because You're totally fine. The audio might change. I'm sorry. You're fine. You're fine. All of your technology is like dying. Can you hear me? I can. Mm-hmm. Oh, here. Let me turn up my phone. Um, okay. So, <laughs> what was I saying? Oh, in Frozen 2, Princess Anna sings this song because she has lost someone close to her. Don't want to give away any spoilers. <laughs> um, and it's called The Next Right Thing. And it's it was one of the clearest representations of grief that I've ever seen in media um, because it's like she's just in this dark dark place and she doesn't know how to go on she has like no will to go on um, I was actually listening to it today and um, there's this line that says I won't look too far ahead um, go ahead there's like only so much that I can take kind of that's paraphrasing. Um, so take it down to this next breath. This next step is like the only thing, the only one I can make or something like that. Um, and it's like, I'm just going to take a breath and I'm going to do the next right thing. And I think that's just really been the theme of my story that, um, I'll give myself the space that I need to take care of myself, but I hate using the word, but I'll give myself the space that I need and the grace that I need for myself. And then I will take the next step to do what I can to care for other people. Because I guess I just think that my life isn't all about me um, all the time. There are times when I need to let, let my life be all about me (laughs) and take care of myself but then there are times when um I just need to do the next right thing that's you know there comes a time to to learn the new normal and learn the new um the new life I guess what your what your life is and what your purpose is and you know, maybe there's new purpose and, and it's just been, yeah, like it's been constant figuring and recalibrating and taking breaths and then taking the next step. Yeah. Well, I can, I mean, even just from knowing you virtually on Instagram, like you very much come off as somebody who cares so much for other people And you kind of put your energy into making sure that they're okay kind of before you're okay. And so I think that Mm -hmm. that's like the motherly part of you. And I think that's why you have, you know, where you told Austin that you want to be a stay at home mom and that's your, your ambitious goal. And I think that's just your nature. Like how we, how I was asking you how you're just so nice to people who, whenever they announce that they're pregnant and stuff, like I don't get it. I, I'm just not like that, but I, I honestly think it's ingrained in your being, which is a really nice trait to have, but also probably yeah. very difficult to be like genuinely happy, but still really sad for yourself. Yeah. And I mean, I've done a lot of work 
<laughs> to get there. And <laughs> I mean, I want to be fair and like say, take me with a grain of salt, I guess, because, you know, we unfortunately have only connected online and only yeah. connected virtually. <laughs> so you don't see me at my worst. <laughs> well, I'm same. <laughs> when I'm alone in my head. Um, but yeah, like I just, I don't know, I guess I, I just, I feel worse when I am unhappy <laughs> about, yeah. about other people. So maybe it is a little selfish to, to go out of my way to be kind, but, and, and I've had to find ways to cope with that kind of stuff too. You know, like I, right. I've had eight years of practice with grief and learning myself. So, you know, I know that it's going to be easier for me to be at a baby shower if I'm part of the planning of it and know how the day is going to go first off and then get to be like, Oh, I need to go refill appetizers or I'm going to like be leading this game. So I don't have time to be in my head and be jealous when I'm at that event, like I can take care of my own less positive emotions. Yeah. I think that's Um, really great advice. I've, I've never thought of that, you know, kind of taking some of the control can really help and like knowing what that next step looks like, you know, kind of going on. Yeah. Well, and I think knowing yourself, like, do you need to just say no and not go to a baby shower? Um, it's okay to say no yeah. to those events. Um, but if it's my sister-in-law or um, someone who I'm close to and it's something that I want to be a part of and it's appropriate for me to take to help take the reins, then... I can do that for myself, but also that's helpful to other people. And, you know, I love getting to plan events and I planned my, I have a three-year-old niece and twin one-year-olds, a niece and a nephew. And I planned their birthday parties this past year. And it was so much fun because I don't, you know, that's one of those things that gets stolen from you when you lose your babies that you don't get to plan birthday parties and my sister-in-law is very busy with <laughs> three children, three and under. Um, and so I love being able to do that and make decorations and like be a part of that and be like the fun aunt sometimes. And my other sister-in-law is also a fun aunt. We're all, <laughs> yeah, we're all fun family members. I didn't want to. <laughs> sound like I'm I'm the fun one I'm not we're all we're all fun but um you know that's part of taking care of my family but it's also part of taking care of myself yeah I think that's great I think that's really great advice too I hope that one day you can come on and give like an update episode and it just be only good news and only good stories and only the positive <laughs> things. Um, Cause you deserve it so much. I always think about your story and mm-hmm. again, like, yeah. you know how I see that you're, you're always so quick to support other people, but I wish that like 
I don't know. I wish that I could just make everything so much better for you. I would in a heartbeat. Yeah. Um, me too. That would be so good <laughs> if that could happen. Um, I could just grant wishes. I think, yeah, like I, I think <laughs> honestly one of the most encouraging stories that, that I have heard um, is actually a couple that never got to have children and they tried and they um, went through years of infertility and now they are older and um, but they're so in love and have this awesome awesome life and I think I got to a point where you know every time I, I share my story with someone and they everyone has a story to say, oh, well, I know someone who went through that and now they have 11 kids and they have this amazing life. And not that I want 11 kids, I'm exaggerating, but (laughs) you know, everyone tells you a story when you share your story to say, oh, don't worry. I'm sure you're going to have kids. Um, and I think I got to a point where I was like, but what if I don't (laughs) like, yeah. Um, I would love it if that happened. And I also just want to know that I'm going to be okay if it doesn't. Um, and I think we are kind of at that crossroads at this point where we're trying to decide what our next steps are. Um, and, you know, I've got however many years left of <laughs> possible fertility um and there's I guess there's a part of me that's wondering do I want to spend all of those years just trying with the potential of getting to the end of it being like okay we spent the first 20 whatever years of our marriage trying to have kids and and going through all that pain and financial stuff or whatever and then get to it when where we're too old and can't and like I just don't want to look back and think I wasted time I guess reaching for something that doesn't happen like it that sounds really depressing but no I think that that's um, really insightful and I don't think that that's something that people are or at least it's it's harder to find in the online community but recently I've found it more where people are sharing um their child free or childless life and some, you know, it's not a choice and some people it's a choice mm-hmm. moving forward that they are no longer pursuing um, parenthood. And I think we forget that that is an option. Like it's not giving up. It's just another plan. It's yeah. just another option. Yeah. It's just, it's like choosing a different beautiful life. Right. Um, and not if I, you know, if we felt like the right thing to do was to continue persevering and it, if it took us, you know, 15, 10, 15 years, and then we got to have a baby, of course it would all be worth it. Um, I just think the way that we've done it so far has been, has made things really hard sometimes. Um, and it feels like 
it, it feels like such a huge part of who I am and, um, and what our life is, is focused on, um, having babies and, or getting pregnant or how that's going to work. Um, and so I guess I'm just in like a season right now of, of figuring out a better balance, I guess, of, of what our life can look like. Um, because yeah, like there's a chance that I, that we won't have kids and, um, and that's okay. You know, I, I want to be optimistic and I am optimistic. Um, and I think a little bit of realism is maybe popping itself in there though. Just, you know, like I said, with grief to be prepared for those hard days, I think that I'm looking at being prepared for the possibility of not having kids. Um, and there's grief attached to that again, new grief. Um, and I would never, like, I would never say to someone else, maybe it's time that you guys stop trying. Like, that is never my place. My place is always to encourage people where they're at, right? If right. if someone's doing something a different way than I would, that's not my place to say, um, well, have you tried this? Because so many people have said that to me, and it makes me so mad. Yeah. <laughs> right. So that's just, I think where I'm at right now, but we've been at so many different places over the last eight years that who knows where I'll be in a month. <laughs> right. Well, and that's um, okay too. You know, you're just figuring it out. You're yeah. taking it as it comes and that's really all you can do. Well, and you mentioned, yeah. um, you mentioned, faith. And so I actually would love to have you back on to talk about faith with miscarriage because I am not super religious, but I felt that my miscarriage experience kind of shook my faith in ways, even though Mm. I wasn't religious, it was a very, so it would be a very interesting conversation. I would really love to have with you but it would, it would take up yeah. so much of your time, but I'm very interested in, this. no, I am for somebody who's yeah. not religious. I'm so interested in religion and grief and all of that stuff. So you're the perfect person to talk to about it. Well, yeah. because you are I'm so happy. understanding, like it's, I, I've had mm. some people reach out to me on Instagram where I've talked to them a little bit about it. And I think, I think that you and I have spoke a little bit on Instagram about faith, but I don't remember a hundred percent like the extent of it. Um, but I've had people reach out to me to where I didn't feel connected and comfortable talking to them about faith. And so mm. you're just, you're a much more open person <laughs> than some other people <laughs> that I've connected with. So that's really helpful. But I think that, you know, yeah. there are people listening to this that struggled with faith after miscarriage because, mm-hmm. you know, they believe in God and they believe that things maybe happen for a reason or that, you know, Mm -hmm. good things happen to good people and there has to be some silver lining. And then you're angry 
that you have to go through all this crap to get there. And so I think that that's Mm -hmm. a really important topic. Yeah. Well, in the last couple of years um, for pregnancy and infant loss awareness month in October, I've done some artwork on Instagram and I've done one slide that's like words that have hurt me. And then another slide that is words that haven't. And a lot of the words that have hurt me have been faith-based. And I think just recently I've been more open and talked. I've been more open to talk about miscarriage as it relates to faith. Cause I think before I was trying so hard to just appeal to any audience and not alienate people, I never, ever want to do that. Um, and I think just recently I, I've come maybe more to terms with what grief is in, in terms of faith or specifically Christian faith. Um, so yeah, I would be happy to come back and, and talk more about that. I think I'd be really nervous, but I would do it. <laughs> well, no, well, I have, so I grew up in a Jewish family. And so a lot of my like grief and understanding of religion comes from a Jewish background. And so I think it's so interesting. Mm-hmm. I also see the differences between, not that this is like a religion podcast <laughs> for me to go off of those tangents, <laughs> but I see the differences in how different religions treat death in general. And that's so mm-hmm. interesting to me. And so it's just, it's a fascinating mm-hmm. thing, but, um, yeah. no, I'll definitely, I'm going to put some thought into it and maybe see if people have like faith-based questions that we can go off of, but I think that that'd be a really great episode. Yeah. Yeah. We can do like a Q and a type thing if that's what you want to do or, or I yeah. can just share my thoughts and yeah. Um, and see, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'd we'll be happy to do out. that. I'm not by any means an expert, but my uh, BA is in religion, so yeah, <laughs> that makes you pretty close. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Becca, thanks for sharing your story so openly, um, not just today, but always. And I appreciate you coming on and sharing yeah. here. And I don't know if people know it because I've maybe said it in my first episode, but you created the podcast art for the podcast, which everybody seems to really love. So I'm so thankful to you. Oh, yay. I was so honored when you asked me to do that. Um, Yeah, that was special. Yeah. You're the first person I thought of because I know that you do, um, I don't even know what it's called, but it's artwork on the iPad, right? Like, (laughs) I feel like I'm talking like I'm 60 years old, but I know that it's... um, It's something really cool on the iPad and I see people doing that style and I always love the lettering and stuff that you post. That looks so relaxing, yeah. but I tried to do it on my iPad and I'm just, I'm not artistic. So it, it was terrible. <laughs> you might not have the right app and tools though too, because th- there are like free drawing apps that I've used and they have not been good either. And so I bought the Procreate. Of digital drawing is it's so easy to erase. Yes. No, I mean, I, so I bought <laughs> Procreate, but I didn't have the Apple Pencil. And I was like, okay. I am not creative enough to spend that much money on an Apple Pencil. So I yeah. like did my, use my finger. I used some other touch screen yeah. <laughs> thing. And I was like, this is just not for me. <laughs> 
So, yeah. but you did, you did well, so think, great and you served it justice. You did like, I told you exactly what I was looking for and you served it a plus plus. Yeah. Well, I loved your idea of having like a positive pregnancy test and a negative one and one that's fading. Mm-hmm. And I was so excited to figure out that the fading one. <laughs> yeah. It sounds, it sounds so weird to be like excited about that, but. No, I was so excited whenever you emailed me and you were like, I got so inspired that I worked on it last night. And so I was just so excited to, and then I started getting the podcast stuff um, ready earlier than planned. So it all worked out really great. And everybody I showed it to before I shared it on Instagram, I didn't say anything about the test and all of them said how they saw the test and they saw the fading pregnancy test. And I was like, yes, I'm so glad that those stuck out. It's perfect. That was such a good idea. I loved that. Yeah. So perfect. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Um, I'm sorry I took so much of your time, but I really enjoyed hearing your story a little bit deeper than I ever have because I've only ever really talked to you on Instagram. So it's nice to connect offside of Instagram. Yeah. I don't think I've ever actually like just sat down and said the whole thing. And that obviously wasn't even as detailed because I really only went into all the details with the first one but it feels good to talk about it it's therapeutic to for me to share that's something I have found I needed so thanks for having a space to talk about that stuff yeah yeah